This is 3 and 5 on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for dialing into this episode of 3 and 5. It's Steve Peacher, SLC Management. And today I'm joined by Chad All, who is the CIO and head of multi-asset solutions at SLGI. And SLGI stands for Sun Life Global Investments. It's a platform that has been developed over the last, I don't know, eight to 10 years within Sun Life in Canada. Very successful platform over a relatively short period of time. And so I'm looking forward to this. Chad, thanks for taking a couple minutes. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. So the main topic that I want to talk about is how you're dealing with asset allocation in this environment. And you had that. My first question, first, if you would just give the audience a couple sentences on who SLGI is and what kind of products you have. And then could you talk a bit about in this environment, lots of stuff going on. We've got a, a war in Europe. We've got inflation going up. We've got interest rates going up. How are you thinking about asset allocation shifts across the portfolios? Yeah, so a little bit first about uh, Sun Life Global Investments. You know, founded back in 2012, so you, you were pretty close in terms of how long we've been in the market. But uh, you know, a Canadian-focused asset manager in, in really two channels in the retail space. You know, providing investment product that advisors use in building investment portfolios for their individual retail clients, and then in the institutional space, we're in the defined contribution area. So again, with Sun Life's very strong group retirement services footprint across Canada, once again, and then my team manages uh, multi-asset solutions, which is really a big part of where SLGI focuses. So in the retail space, that's target risk funds, and in that defined contribution space, target date funds. So to your first question, you know, you know, absolutely a very volatile couple of months in the market. And tactical asset allocation is, is one of the levers that we use to add incremental value across our portfolios off a very, you know, very strong strategic asset modeling that, that we have. So, so in terms of our tactical positioning, you know, it's been an unusually tough quarter so far, you know, to start this year across asset classes, equity markets and deep uh, corrections, you know, some touching bear, bear market territory, spiking yields, as you know, credit spreads marching higher. Core bonds, of course, down you know five, six, seven percent in Canada and the U.S. So, other than commodities, cash has truly been king so far this year. Now, we have to say that this sort of outperformance for cash it's rare. It usually does not last very long. And also, when we look at, at various market sentiment measures that we track, you know, flows and positioning data, activity in the options market, we did get the sense, you know, in recent days that the worst of the selling pressure, at least in the near term, was exhausting itself. Right. So. Given all of that, putting all of that together, you know, we've been incrementally putting our cash allocation to work both in equities and bonds and actually moving to a modestly uh, tactically overweight within equities. Let's drill down on equities a little bit. So within that equity allocation, you know, what are you doing? Are you making any shifts around regions, around factors, styles, cap levels, value growth? How do you think about equities? Exactly. So, so let's start with regionally. You know, we are preferring U.S. equities over international developed markets. So our largest overweight is to US equities versus an underweight to, to international markets. I mean, of course, we you know one of the key risk factors out there today is the unfortunate conflict in Ukraine. And we just feel that, you know, the European markets that make up a big component of the international space, much more directly impacted from an economic perspective to those events. And, and the US is relatively insulated. And when it comes to our Canadian allocation, of course, we do have some home country bias within our strategic mix, an exceptionally strong outperformance for Canadian equities this year. You know, one of the few markets in positive territory, given the large energy, large materials weight, that's been a great hedge against geopolitical risk. We're, we're sticking to our neutral positioning, though, just in that off chance that there is some sort of escalation on the geopolitical front will still serve as a reasonable hedge, we believe. And emerging markets, of course, regionally, the other key component within our portfolios, you know, significant underperformance for 
emerging markets last year on the Chinese regulatory crackdown and Chinese stocks were, were sliding in recent days as well. So very early measures, again, just in recent days that Chinese policymakers, you know, were taking their foot off the gas on regulatory crackdowns, as well as adding some stimulus to the market. We're watching it closely. It's not enough for us to, to go overweight at this point, but sticking to a neutral position in, in emerging markets. And then, like you said, you know, there's some interesting pieces that we're seeing from an investment style or an, an equity or risk factor perspective. You know, all of the leading indicators that we follow really are pointing to a slowing global economy. And now there's more risks to the downside of what might have been just a slowing but positive scenario. You know, risk to the downside, whether it's a central bank policy mistake. You know, much has been, of course, said about how difficult a position central banks are in today compared to, to past cycles. And of course, the geopolitical. So our work shows that in a slowing economic environment, it's really quality as an equity factor that outperforms. I mean, it's companies with strong balance sheets, companies with strong profitability. It's really are the active managers that we use in our portfolio. It's really where they shine. So we're accentuating our active allocations over the passive allocations. And then finally, you know, an opportunity that's presented itself is probably one of the, you know, the steepest sell-offs has actually been in US growth stocks, the technology sector, you know, the NASDAQ actually touching bear market territory. Well, again, as we look forward into the next segment of the economic cycle that we're moving into, it's going to be a slowdown of some kind. As economic growth becomes scarce, as earnings become scarce, those companies that do have strong earnings, strong secular earnings, happens to be those same technology companies that have sold off so steeply are actually the ones that, that tend to outperform. So we're really accentuating our allocation to the US growth story in particular within the portfolios. That makes sense to me. How about fixed income? What are you doing within the different sectors of fixed income? Within fixed income, I mean, we're, you know, given that overweight position we're taking within equities, we're increasing the duration within our fixed income allocation, moving towards higher quality core bonds. Now, I'm not calling the top in yields necessarily, although I wouldn't completely rule it out, like we said, given, given some of the risks to how this economic cycle may proceed from here. But more importantly, sort of from a total portfolio perspective, thinking about the role that core bonds play in, in the sort of multi-asset solutions we manage, like target risk funds, target day funds, much of it is to offset the risk against those risky assets in the portfolios, like the equity allocation. So we had lower duration going back now several quarters, knowing that that was really rising yields were probably the, the biggest risk to the equities within the portfolios. At the levels we're at today in yields, we just believe that they turn to that strategic function of performing as, as a diversifier against those riskier assets in the portfolio. Well, yeah, I definitely see this has been unusual because if you consider the situation in Europe right now with Ukraine to be a global geopolitical crisis, you don't always see the Fed tightening in the middle in the face of a geopolitical crisis. And that's in fact what we're seeing right now. So it's a bit of uncharted territory. Let me ask you one final personal question, which of course I'd like to end with. Like a lot of our listeners, you've been riding out the pandemic with young kids at home. I have not because my kids are older and they're not at home. I miss the joys and the trials and tribulations of that, but also the joys of it. Tell me a little bit about what you've learned and what that experience has been like now it, that it's been, you know, we, we just hit the two-year anniversary. Exactly, Stephen. I mean, it's, you know, we focus a lot on the, the tribulations, how difficult it's been to, or particularly in the early days with the kids around far much more. And, you know, don't tell them that I'm saying this, but... You know, as you look back on it, it's been a pretty good opportunity to actually become a little bit more involved in your kids' lives, right? And one of the great takeaways, and particularly Sun Life in Canada and their approach to the return to office, which I expect to really ramp up as we get into April, is that there will still be some flexibility. And so there'll be you know, an opportunity to get back to the best of both worlds, because I truly do miss the face-to-face -face interactions with my team and the collaboration and just talking about our portfolios. But you know, we're going to be able to find that 
that right mix now, I think, you know, life work balance, if you, if you will. Well, my wife and I were jealous of some of our friends whose kids, even though if they're older, came and lived with them during the pandemic. And unfortunately, our kids weren't able to do it, but we missed that. So I definitely think we probably would have seen that as a positive to have kids at home during this time. So, well, listen, thank you very much. It's interesting to hear about how you're making moves within the portfolio in an environment that's volatile, but with that always comes opportunity. Thanks to everybody for listening into this episode of 3 and 5.